think editorializing on interesting facts is sort of like the gist of it. What does factual even mean anyway? I mean, it certainly means different things to different people. Oh, no. Pushed the wrong side of the mouse pad and it didn't hit record, but then I did hit record. So I hit it. It's recording. Okay. Uh, welcome to Feature Creep, colon. Built-in microwave, semi-colon. Gestalt. Gestalt? Gestalt. Uh, the German word for uh, shape um, or kind of um, form or shape. And we are getting back to our roots and we're going to talk about art and design a little bit. Um and so uh, gestalt is this idea. Well, um, so there was a uh, a German psychologist, Kurt Kof- Kofka, Kafka, um, not Kafka esque, as in like, but K O F F K A. Um, uh, he mm-hmm. was a German psychologist and professor, and he lived. Um, from like 1886 to 1941 and so he kind of um kind of talked about it in the terms of there's this whole there's this whole field of um uh what's it called uh uh gestalt psychology yeah and um, that's what i was familiar with it from when you mentioned gestalt and i was like hmm. yeah so he kind of talks about it as the whole is other than the sum of the parts um and I think this is like a good concept for art and design, especially if you're doing design where um, having a having an idea about the um, the sort of gestalt of something is important, right? It's like saying like, mm-hmm. you know, taking in, in art and design, like you can kind of, or if you're designing something or you're creating a piece of art, like you can take some very simple patterns, but altogether there's an emergence of something more than just like a square you know a series sure. of squares if you change the color etc like there's lots of um explorations of art through art through art history through human history of like looking at things like this and so um the gestalt of something right is the idea that it's like when you look at it as the sum of all of its parts there's something more whole than just those pieces um and so That's i was cool yeah i think it is cool i think it's a i think it's a good word to use when we talk about that um because i think lots of people have have thought about this in different ways and I think it's great to have a word to put to it. Um, yeah. So there's, there's really like interesting things, um, around this word. Like if you're interested in looking at, you know, there's lots of different things that happen in psychology. There's the gestalt psychology, um, which we can talk about just briefly. Uh, so, Gestalt psychology was sort of um, a school of psychology. This is taken from the Wikipedia entry, um, March 15th, 2021. Uh, is, is a school of psychology that emerged in the early 20th century in Austria and Germany as a theory of perception that was a rejection to the basic principles of Wilhelm Wundt's, Wundt's, Wilhelm Wundt's and Edward, Edward Titchener's element elementalist and structuralist uh structuralist psychology um well what the fuck does that mean uh, <laughs> i have so, no idea <laughs> so the idea um so as used in gestalt psychology the german word gestalt is interpreted as a pattern or configuration um which this kind of goes back to what i was just saying about how 
you know, having these like simple components put together creates this larger creation. Um, and so uh, the view is sometimes summarized again as the adage, the whole is more than the sum of its parts. So um, that's kind of the idea around gestalt psychology uh, or gestalt psychology. Mm. So, um, and there were these, you know, various psychologists that, um, and, and so uh, if you're working in art and design, psychology often intertwines a little bit with art theory of art and the idea about design and the way that things are created um, or, right. or meaning and all of those things. <clears throat> um, they're not necessarily separated. Um, and we can set aside my views of the field of psychology for now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have um, anyway, uh, it's so uh, but there, so there's all these interesting things like where I first really became more familiar with the, um, with the word was reading, um, several books by, um, this author, Greg Egan, who's an Australian science fiction author. And he often uses the concept of, of gestalt as, um, his writings often feature like, or, or often discuss the ideas of, um, transhumanism, like we've talked about in previous yeah. podcasts, like the idea yes. of what does it mean to be more than human or even like post-humanism where he talks about the idea of, mm-hmm. um, our, our being or our, our sort of, um, cognitive existence being outside of, um, the traditional human form. Like, you know, the idea that your consciousness might live in a computer or some kind of simulation, or it might be transferable right. between different st- kites kinds of media where that consciousness could live and he gets pretty crazy about it so it's um so you can imagine the issue of identity right if you're living in a world where someone can transfer their consciousness between bodies between existences between you know one day you're in a robot the next day you're in some like omnipresent sort of neural network that lives in the you know the virtual universe or whatever um all of these spaces yeah. mean different things. And so he uses the concept of gestalt to mean like personal identity. Like how does one individual recognize another individual? And so mm. he he uses the concept of this sort of gestalt where there's um, this idea that that the sum of your parts is unique in some way. And so that is your gestalt. And so even as you change, your gestalt changes. And so at some point you've changed so much, it doesn't matter if you were that person, you're no longer that person. And so I, as an individual, I, I have to recognize you as someone new, right? Like I, and yeah, um, which also yes. plays into kind of the psychology of um, even in a human way, like I think in our relationships, we have that same kind of experience where if you knew someone as a childhood friend, but then you spent a long time away from them. And then when you come back and meet them as an adult, um, it's very human to recognize all the changes that they've gone through. And one often hopes to like recognize some piece of that gestalt of them from when you remember, right? You're looking for that connection of like who they were that, you know, during component. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I often think about um, how this kind of ties together a lot of the topics we've covered in podcasts. Uh, like, for instance, when we've talked about um, uh, when we talked about the issues of identity, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like, we've talked about 
what podcast was that? We had, um, it was like the trouble with authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've <clears throat> often thought about how one, like we have a concept in computer science, um, or really kind of in, in, um, in cryptography, there's this idea of, um, like a hash signature, which is the idea that you you kind of summarize all of the existing data of something into a smaller digestible piece that is a kind of signature that can only be arrived at with um, some secret piece of information and some public piece of information. So if you know the secret yeah. piece of information, then you can create... Um, combined with the public information, you can kind of create this unique identity that is e easier to authenticate um, based on either knowing that shared piece of secret information. So like if you and I shared a secret piece of information, like uh, like we do this, people do this all the time, um, especially in like spy novels or, or sort of like intrigue novels and stories and things where you're talking about um, like ask me something that only I would know, right? Like, yes, you know, some shared piece of history that we know. And then it's like one word, right? Like I might say mm -hmm. like, um, like head gasket or something. And you'd be like, Oh, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Um, whereas any outside observer wouldn't understand because they don't have that shared piece of secret information. And so now yes. you and I have shared a kind of like authenticity signature, um, and I often think about that in kind of terms of gestalt, right? Like it's it's sort of, um, it's some piece of recognition of my shape or my form of existence um, or yours or anyone else that we come across. So um, <laughs> anyway, so that's kind of what I thought about gestalt. And I thought um, we're going to probably record two, two episodes on this because we've got this fantastic book that we're going to get into um, called uh, Untra The Dictionary of Untranslatables, a Philosophical yeah. Lexicon by uh, Barbara Kassin. Uh, yes. Well, she's the editor. She's the editor. Yeah. So a lot, this is, um, a lot of this is sort of sourced from various texts and things. Um, mm -hmm. But there's a section on Gestalt form. Ah. Uh, and so I thought we might have a little look at that. And see if what that page sheds. is it on? So it's on page um, 1067. Okay. And uh, it starts right there at the in the bottom right quarter of 1067. Uh, so this book is really interesting. There is so much material in this book. I, I know. It is like a monumental <laughs> work. Um, this is one of those books where it's like, like th this is a labor of love. Yeah. I can't imagine that this is like selling like hotcakes. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's an enormous, like you could keep a door propped open in yeah. a tornado with this thing. It's this giant book. The pages are like Bible paper thin. Yep. Um, yep. I mean, the quality of the paper is like really beautiful. Yeah. Every, and yeah. It's it's larger than eight and a half by eleven, and it has thirteen hundred pages in it. Yeah, and the text is just fine print the whole way through. Um, mm -hmm. It's yeah, it is dense, and I, like I have to imagine that you and I may own some of the only two copies. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> it's totally possible. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of amazing. Uh, I wonder how well it did. I'm just curious now. It has very good reviews on Goodreads. Um, 4.6 out of 5. I mean, I wouldn't call this a good read in the traditional sense. Like, this isn't something you sit down this and read. This is a reference material. I think it's something you sit down and browse through, but you wouldn't read it from, like, the beginning to the end necessarily. <clears throat> right. I mean, somebody might, but... Um, I, can, I had considered it briefly and then realized, like, I don't know... Yeah, I mean, I, don't I think you... don't know that I would succeed. You don't know what... I don't know that I would succeed. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think you. Um, I, I think this is something that you kind of browse through, and then you maybe reference. Like, if you're kind of looking, I mean, certainly I find it very inspirational. If I if I'm looking for kind of inspiration about any kind of creative endeavor, um, or I'm looking for um, some kind of like, it, it's a great like philosophical reference, right? Yeah. If you're kind of thinking about like, I mean, that was the thing is that I'd been thinking about this word gestalt and all the contexts that I had seen it in. And then I um, when you mentioned this book, I was like, oh, right. Like I should look it up in there. Um, yeah. And so I did. Uh, it's just an amazing piece of work. So there's an editor, Barbara Casson, the translator, Emily uh, Apter and uh, Jacques Lesra. Two and translators. Michael Wood. Oh. I have Michael Wood on mine, my edition. Oh, awesome. Okay. So there's actually Yeah, I was reading Three, from Yes, yeah. and Michael Wood. Um <coughs> interesting. Yeah. Hmm. It's funny that he got left off in the Yeah, there we go. And Michael Wood. Um, right. And so it was compiled by Barbara Casson and em Emily Apter. It's funny that on the front it just says uh, Barbara. Oh no, it does say their names as well. Hers is just in white. Mm. Um, yes, it's, it stands out much more. Yeah. So, um, I mean, if you like kind of like really, <laughs> if you like funky books, your words, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Um, in many ways, I would argue that 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 interaction is like the gestalt of San Francisco. Oh fuck. Yes. Like okay, so for do we need to explain that? Yeah, I mean I think if you about? want to talk about it, we can kind of I I think we've shared it before on the podcast. I think so too. But we we'll just to, give it context, yeah. We went to Mission Cheese, which is like a shining diamond in a in a sea of sewage in San Francisco. Um and like we went there for food and I I I just wanted a plate of cheese. Yeah. Like five different cheeses. And I was like, I would like a glass of white wine to go with these cheeses. Can you make a recommendation? And the guy was like, Well, that would be more like a pairing. And I was like, Okay. Like, I just want a white wine. And he was like, Well, what kind of white wine do you want? And I was like, Well, what are my options? And he was like, Well, do you like funky wines? And I was like, I guess so, sure. Like I I like funky tastes. 
<coughs> flavors, right? And yeah. am I remembering this? Yeah, right? no, he no. Was he, like, he was like, <clears throat> like he kept kind of saying, "I think that's a pairing," and you're like, "Okay, that's fine. Then it can be a pairing." What? Like, right, I like, just need some, like give me some context. I don't know the yeah. names of any of your bottles. It's not like they had a display where it's like a long list of white wines that you that could have looked up and just right. said number it was one a mystery. It's yeah. like you can order wine, but you have no idea what your choices are because they're all <clears throat> in these like. <clears throat> obscure esoteric bottles behind the counter yeah they're not late they're not listed anywhere like you can't you i mean so, you can't even see into the wine cabinet where the chilled wines are so it's like you have no idea what's going on no, you're just like no idea yeah i don't and, know if there's 10 different ones to choose from i don't know if there's one wine and that's what you get like i don't know what have you got and then it's like well then he made a big deal about like well i can't really recommend anything because that would be more like a pairing and i'm like <laughs> like that's not really what I'm asking you for. I just want to know what my fucking options are, man. Yeah. You and, know? Um, and like and and everything was like super indirect. And also to put this in better context, like we're standing in line where there's people behind us waiting to order. Like you go up to the counter to order and then you go sit down right. with the number and they bring you your your <laughs> wine and your cheese. Ugh. And um yeah, and he goes and he's like the whole thing with the pairing is just like, well, that would be more like a pairing. And it wasn't I don't even got I never got the impression that he couldn't tell you what like give you a pairing. It was right. just like so just do that. You yeah. were like, whatever's easiest. Like I just want to know what I can choose from. And then he's right. like he's like, Oh well, I'll see what I can do. Like if you like funky well, wines. And then, right. He's like, if do you like funky wines? And I was like, Well, sure, I like funky wines. So he brings out like he's not gonna let me off the hook. He's not gonna be like, You might like are this or you might like are that. Would you like to try glass? Oh, of right. It? No. You were like he insists on that you have bringing to try up. Yes. Like two different bottles of wine. Because he said to you, he's like, if you don't like it, then that would be a waste and we wouldn't want to waste it. So you better try it first. So you better try it first. I was like, I don't need to try it. I just need to, you know. Yeah. So at this point, the line is like backing up behind us. Like people are waiting to do this. I'm trying to make this as expeditious as possible. Like I'm just trying to get out of this situation. And every question is met with another series of questions and like workarounds Uh around imaginary problems like the difference the semantics of whether it's a pairing or a recommendation and and so like he brings out these fucking glasses and brings them up to the front and he like uncorks one and he like pours it and i'm like all right i'm just throwing it back because i'm not waiting for him to pour the second one i'm just gonna try it and if i like it i'll be like i'll take that one it's fine you don't have to pour any of the second one right yeah so i try the first one and i'm like oh I like this one. Is this the funky one? And he's like, well, I don't know if I would call it funky. And I'm like, <laughs> your fucking words, man. <laughs> like, I didn't say that. That was yes. not my descriptor. Like, you asked me if I liked funky things. And I said, sure. And then you poured me wine. And I asked you, is this the thing that you were referring to? And you act like I said something that there is no context for. Right. <laughs> Like, it's so fucking weird. You're right. And so then eventually, like, I tried both of them. I'm like, no, I definitely like the first one. Yes, I will take that. Thank you. And then it, like, he disappeared. Like, I don't think he poured it, did he? Like, he disappeared with the used wine glasses. Yeah, but he, so he poured both of them. In the end, he made you try both of them. Right. Um, He would not let me off the hook. Yeah. And then he disappeared with the wine and the wine glasses. And you were like, okay. And yeah, I, I don't think like, I think we can make a whole podcast out of this one, but I think the gist of the story is there. Um, 
right? It's yeah. like the the whole the entirety of the experience is what we're getting at. Like it As was the just so immersive, the, yeah. And like such a like an archetypal experience of what is easy to hate about Napa Valley and like California wine culture and like how obstinate people in San Francisco and are. Meets when that like, meets that sort of like Southern California surfer dude kind of vibe yes. where he was just like not willing to meet you. You kept. I remember yeah. you kept saying, "You talk to him. You speak their fucking language." Um, because like I had no problem navigating it and it wasn't until that moment that I realized that it is a navigation. Like when you go up, um, like all of their, like I can imagine as an outsider, it feels very passive aggressive. It did feel extremely passive aggressive. It's like nothing I say is the right answer. I don't know what you want me to say to just get some food from you. I have money. Can you please give me some food for some money? Like, and I remember thinking, I'm like, man, like he asks a lot of questions, but as like as someone from Southern Southern California, both I expect it, I expect to ignore it and give a like a stoned response of like grunts and sure and whatever, man, and don't don't worry, it's all cool. And yeah. like don't stress. And then also also like know what the fuck I want, but don't be assertive about it. Right? Right. <laughs> God. And like you were just pushing all his buttons where he's like, oh God, she's being assertive about something. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, he just like lost his shit and just was like a disaster. It was kind of hilarious. But, um, well, and then the same thing happened when our friend who was in line yes, behind us yes. went up and tried to ask some really simple, straightforward questions about the ingredients in a goes, menu item called raclette, which is basically like potatoes with cheese melted over the top. I remember he asked, he asked something about the bread. He's allergic to eggs. He, and he was like, are, and he is there eggs yeah. or are there eggs in that bread? And the, the same guy, the wine guy, the funky wine yep. guy goes, oh man, I don't know. Should I ask, do you want me to ask the chef? And, and, and then our friend is just like, yeah, I I do want you to ask the chef because as I just said, I'm allergic to eggs. He's like, right. oh yeah, okay, cool. I'll be right back. And then fucks off. And he's just gone for a while. And like, again, I can't stress how people are just standing in line waiting right. to order shit. And these seem it's like... Baffling. Like, yeah, anyway. Um, and he asked him like, you know, and the, and the guy is like, well, I, I mean, I could ask like if there's eggs in it and it's first of all it's like okay oh no he he first told him the whole spiel about how great the bread was and it's fresh baked oh, right right and right. like in well, to answer his question about the eggs he's like well it's baked fresh every day and they like locally source the flour and things and it's really great and we get it from this bakery right and yeah that's yeah. not the, anyway the question uh, well yeah so then and then eventually like the this goes on and it's like okay well since we can't since it uh, is apparently an insurmountable ask to yes. like figure out whether there's fucking eggs in this bread uh let's just bypass that entire question entirely what can you tell me about raclette i because our friend had never had raclette before he just right. basically wanted to know like when you put the word raclette on a menu what does that describe right, right. it's fucking potatoes with cheese on it but the guy funky wine guy could not just be like oh it's kind of like a potato casserole with cheese on top it was like this whole 
thing <laughs> that he he made it so confusing for our friend. Our friend was just bewildered, not only by the unfamiliarity with a menu, but with the what, like you said, appeared to be intense passive aggression yes. about straightforward questions about the menu, which is why we're all here. Right. And like he, the guy, funky wine guy told war, our friend, like, why don't you just step off to the side until you can make up your mind? Right. <laughs> and then like, he was like, okay. And like, just stood there like he was being punished. Yes. Uh, <laughs> while the guy at the counter like helped out the next person right. in line. Yes. Just like, what is happening? And he came and sat down with us later at the table. And they like bring your food to you with these little numbers, uh-huh. <clears throat> and they like screwed up our our order a few times, and we ended up with extra wine at the table. They just kept bringing was, shit like, over right? and being like, "Is this yours?" And since none of us yours? could get a straight answer about what we actually ordered, we're like, "I guess, I guess it could be ours." Yeah, it's possibly like, ours. I feel like at some point Warren was like, "Yeah, I ordered the raclette," and then they're like, "Oh, I think this is the raclette," and they were wrong. Like, they didn't know. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe not that, but it was like that. It was like every opportunity for something to go right went wrong instead. Yeah. And, and like, catastrophic. Like, the wrongness just, like, like exploded into these, like, it, like, every wrong move, like, led to, like, worse problems and, like, more complications and... Yes, like this is the sort of story that I will tell to give people an example of how difficult it is to simply do normal things in San Francisco. Right. <laughs> like you're not going to believe how overcomplicated everything is about to get if you set foot in that in that Bay Area. Like right. just it's just impossible to get things done and it was funny because we were sitting at the table and I was like reeling from like the fact that this guy who I was trying to pay money to to get food and wine from is like well I want to make sure you like the wine because if you don't like it it'll be wasted on you as if I'm not fucking worthy of it right like <laughs> like well don't let don't let me waste any of your precious beautiful food on me you know like oh my god hoi polloi over here wants to try some raclette don't let them have it they can't appreciate it what the fuck? So then we like sat down at the table and kind of like talked about it. And I was like, no, no, what you experienced. I see you, man. I see you. I saw what happened to you. I saw how confusing that was. I had just been through the same thing ahead of you in line, which you did not bear witness to. But it was a it was a wine version of the raclette dance that you just did with this guy. Like nothing you could say was right. Everything you said led to something being redefined. It was awful. And he was like, I felt like I was going crazy. I'm like, I know. And the two people were sitting at at the table, you and our other friend, Dana, who uh, listeners know, had totally like non-eventful experience like hey i'd like a thing sounds great man here's how much costs all right here's my money great your number will be up in a minute yeah (laughs) you know and i'm like what was that (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) Uh, (laughs) same with dana she's like i'd like a thing and a thing and he's like great choices here you go she like pays and then we sit down and but no me and our other friend are just like embattled the whole time holding up a line of people that's spilling into the street it's not me i just wanted a glass of wine (laughs) yeah but you're right this is you (laughs) 
You're right about this being sort of like the gestalt of San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it it just really kind of that's how I would describe that interaction, that moment yeah. in time. Um yeah, just just absurd. Um I mean, I love absurdity, but that yeah, really caught me off guard. I was just like, I don't understand what's happening right now. I mean, it's funny afterwards, right? Like sometimes it's a little hard yeah. to live through. Um, it was just so confusing at the time. Yeah. Yep. Like, like uh, the whole time I couldn't tell whether I should be insulted. Right. Like, am I am I supposed to be insulted by this right now? Like, I feel I feel kind of insulted. Right. It was weird. Yeah, it was. It was, very... it was. And well, I have been to that restaurant a gazillion times, and it was never anything like that bizarre experience. Normally, it's very straightforward. You walk in, you're like, oh, look at all this cheese. I'd like to try some of those. And I'd like a bottle of that, whatever, a glass of whatever that bottle is. And they're like, great. And it's like very uneventful. Right. Right. And the food is incredible. Or it was like, even if you talk to somebody and you're like, hey, I, I'm lo- like, if I went to a restaurant and I said, uh, I'd like a white wine, a normal wait staff would know immediately how to keep that interaction short and helpful. Yes. Like, like they might ask you one question where, like, do you like a funky wine? And you said yes. And then they're great. I have just the thing for you. Right. And they're done. Like, they're not like, like, like even the like even that would be a ballsy move, and I don't know that as a wait staff, I know any that would be like, I'm going to ask that weird question when I don't have a lot of time to interact with this customer, right? Which is where I'm like, this was just anyway, um, which just kind of sums up the whole San Francisco experience, where it's like, it's just feels, it feels like inappropriate timing at all times. like no awareness of context like there's no there's no awareness of like anything else that's going on outside of their bubble where it's like hey you realize all this other shit's happening right and then when they do it's like okay now you've just like picked a thing at random outside of your bubble that you're going to be focused on yep and you've devoid like it's completely devoid of context and so you don't your interpretation of it is completely wrong right anyway um, yes, that I it, I had never put it in quite those terms before, but the timing, the timing, the context for every conversation is always off. It took me several years of like daily interactions with people from the Bay Area before yeah. I realized that's just how it is, mm-hmm. and I'm not missing something, right? <laughs> like I I had it really kind of threw me for a loop. Like I wouldn't say like it was a n- n- it didn't make me feel bad, really. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was always a little behind the ball. <clears throat> yeah. Until I realized there was no ball. This is just, we're just flailing out here all the time. There's no ball to be behind. Right. right. <laughs> I'm not missing anything. Every conversation is just like, it's basically like throwing darts at the wall. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I guess this is as good a place to start as any uh whatever everything is confusing there all of the time nothing makes sense in that town yeah yeah the way people talk is crazy it made me really think about that interaction um i thought a lot about what it means for me like growing up in southern california and why i was able to just like 
unconsciously navigate like that whole scenario on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a di- it, there's a dialect element, like there's an actual like language element, and then there's also like some kind of conceptual problem, right? L- like. Yeah, I yeah, I mean I think a lot of it just hard. has to do with that that sort of I, I feel like that bubble in context like lack of context mm-hmm. or in there like it, it's this purposeful like blinders of like unawareness of it, or just being like dismissal of everything that is outside of San Francisco. Yes. <laughs> uh, what's shocking to me too is that like the quality of life for the vast majority of people is not great. And yet everybody feels like super hashtag blessed and lucky to be there. And I'm like, you know that you can have like way nicer stuff than this, like over here for way less money, right? Yeah. No, you guys didn't. You don't even want to hear about it. You guys think nothing else exists. Okay, great. Got it. I mean, the thing, another another gestalt moment for me about San Francisco, <laughs> the first time I yeah. went there was the first time I ever saw a, a grown ass man stand on top of a car and take a shit on a hood. Yes. Yes, and stare yes. at me as he was grunting and look at me like <laughs> trying to get my attention as he was just like shitting on a car like what oh that's so great yeah it's just that's so great i feel like i feel like if that's and the funny thing is when i share this story people aren't like shocked they're like oh yeah san francisco i'm like mm-hmm. there's a problem here you have a like you have a problem of culture if this is like if this is what people in your city are accepting of as, mm-hmm. as the state, like I don't blame the man. I'm like, yeah. whatever state that got you there, like clearly, you know what you're about. Like he was very clear about what he was getting onto. This was a deliberate choice. Yeah. I'm like, you live in a world where this is the place. Like, like this is the kind of thing that you need to be doing in order to continue your existence in a way that makes sense to you. Yep. So what what environment have we created here in San Francisco that creates that? It's shocking. Like it is not San Francisco is not a place where very many people can thrive. Right. Like it's I mean I think the amount of resources and insulation it takes to thrive there is like astronomical. Yeah. You basically have to create a bubble inside of San Francisco that is nothing like the rest of San Francisco. And it takes a huge amount of money to do that. Yeah, it's insane to me. San Francisco is a cesspool. Um, uh, and uh, I mean that like in a moral way. Right, <laughs> Not right. like it's uh, there's also a lot of poop everywhere, but everybody <laughs> yeah, has already heard that story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I can't I cannot get on board with San Francisco. I am not about what San Francisco is about. It is like the thing that makes me so irritated about it is that there are. There's absolutely zero willingness to even acknowledge, like you said, that there is a problem. That's the thing that makes me feel crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Is that everybody's like, no, this is fine. What are you talking about? Don't right? you love it here? I'm I'm like a 37-year-old person who lives in a fifth-story walk-up with like four other single adults, some of whom who work in the stock market, and all four of us, five of us together can't afford this fucking place. Right. But it's great because we love it because we're so lucky to be here. Yeah. And like there's people, you know, like 
all over living on sidewalks because there's no place else to live and no place to go to the bathroom and nowhere in California will let you use a bathroom. It's like a cruel, cruel. Yeah. Public restrooms in, in California are, are a real problem. The lack of them. Um, it, what? I, I like who wants to live in a culture where it's like, yeah, we don't let people go to the bathroom here. What? Yeah. What? What the fuck? Yeah. It's so bizarre. Yeah, I'm just not a fan. Um, I am not a fan of the gestalt of San Francisco. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. There are some highlights. We've talked about the long now. Yeah, yes. The interval bar at the long now is fabulous. Yep. Uh, What else? Um, DNA Lounge was pretty cool. I don't think it's open anymore. Bar Agricole was right next door to it. That was great, too. Mission cheese and dandelion chocolate. That's it. That's all you need. I just told you everything that's great about San Francisco. Right. Did you hear about that Cliff House? You know that Cliff House restaurant? No. You know about this place? So Cliff House is like this restaurant that's been in business for like a million and a half years. And it's like when you drive out of San Francisco to like go down the peninsula, you sort of go past it, I believe. Mm -hmm. And like it is this old place and it's famous and it's been around forever and like it's part of the park system or parklands now and so like department of the interior was handling it and managing it and had this family that had been in control of it for so many years taking care of it and then they like uh, suddenly didn't renew their contract or something and uh, it was a big to do anyway the cliff house restaurant itself remains its structure but the family that has been has given it what it is the the family that made like that created the gestalt of the cliff house yeah is now no longer um involved in its day-to-day operations and so i guess it's just going to probably become a total suck hole of misery like everything else in san francisco that used to be cool oh that's too bad (laughs) yeah i i still get so uh um there's a guy named Stuart who runs around san francisco and he ran for mayor and I was there and met him at Mission Cheese actually one day at Mission Cheese. He came in and he's great, broke ass Stuart. And I have his like bumper sticker in my car that says, You're young, broke, and beautiful. That's where I got Oh, that yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I get all of his emails, his email newsletters and stuff. That's where I got those guillotine earrings. Oh, nice. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So I, I get news about San Francisco. Um, like on the regular even though i don't have anything to do with san francisco anymore right um, just because i'm kind of interested because i have all of these places in my head you know like yeah oh yeah whatever happened to that whatever place and uh if i ever hear that mission cheese or dandelion chocolate are closing i'm just going to be distraught yeah but maybe not surprised um yeah i mean i eventually everything about san francisco that's good will disappear yeah like that's just where it's going um okay well let's uh so tell me more about gestalt let's look at the in the in the big book okay yeah why don't you you um tell us about that from so it's the entry that we're looking at is on page 1066 right uh i think let me look i mean gestalt is on 1067 but it's a sub Entry under structure pattern gestalt. Structure. Gestalt, structura, agency, analogy, behavior. Yeah, it concetto, starts, yeah, it starts on 
um, 1066 and it covers a couple of pages. Um, but yeah, essentially under structure, right? Um, yeah. Um, so gestaltism or the theory of form places the accent on totality but remains principally restricted to psychology even as the German word gestalt remains restricted to a specialized lexicon stemming from a past participle of stellen to put together to compose to create gestalt form or configuration belongs to ordinary German usage but has been used by psychologists on the basis of the gestalt qualitat the quality of form um, of C. von Ehrenfels, 1890, which designates the global form perceived as such or the whole or totality that is more than the sum of its parts. The examples most frequently cited are those of melody, which is more than the sum of the notes composing it, and optical illusions in which global perception wins out over analytic perception. Um, I like that um, that concept of of a sort of global perception winning out over an analytical perception. Yeah. Like yeah. it's like looking at um you know looking at something and being like seeing it for the whole rather than being like there's four windows, one door and a roof. Mm-hmm. And instead being like oh there's a house. Yeah, so this is interesting. This also reminds me of like this kind of peeve that I have where like when people refer to human beings as like males or females and I'm like we have words for that a male or female human is a man or a woman or it's a child right and so I get irritated when like human beings are reduced to being referred to as male or female because it's super reductive mm-hmm. and I d- it's like there's a there's a there's a special word for that. Like we have a word for that. You know, like a female what? Like right. female what? If female human, that would be a woman. That's a that's the word you would use for that. It's woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of think of that as like a form of gestalt too. Like woman would be the gestalt form of like female human. Right, right, and that's even more. Uh, you know, most of the time you can often use people's name or put them more in context and less, less dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, if, yeah, I, I often, I, I don't understand. Yeah. I find like the lang like that kind of language is often like has a really specific like justification for it in certain contexts. Like if you're writing a research paper, um, and you're referring to subjects like sometimes you need to be really explicit. Um, but in social discourse, I don't think there's ever really a call for that. Um, right. especially when you're talking about social issues, because then in that context, it is a woman. It's not a female human, right? I mean, they are a female human, but there is a word for that, which is right. a woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, Yeah. Uh, right. So, um, anyway, uh, I also had a side tangent thought, um, since I know, I know you have to kind of go soon and we're going to have to kind of wrap this one or how are we doing on time? Uh, let me look. We're at, Oh, 
where are we? 43 minutes. So we've got a little time left. Okay. Um, all right. Well, so uh, I think to kind of just sum up my thoughts on Gestalt, or at least where where we might, like if you're listening to this and you for some reason are still listening to our podcast and thinking, I know these guys <laughs> are going to get on with art and design eventually. Um, here's one of those moments. Uh, I think that... Um, <laughs> I, I would encourage you to look at and and read about um, how Gestalt is used in our language and think about it. Um, think about your own art or your own designs and your own ideas in that term, or at least apply that in some way and think about how that maybe cha- changes your view of it. Or what view are you trying to convey? Like maybe you're trying to convey a certain kind of Gestalt with your with the art that you're creating or the you know the design that you're trying to put in place and i think that this gives you a good handle on both discussing it with other people and maybe even having a discussion with yourself because i think about um Hmm. when i work on uh like mostly i do software development right now and when i work on projects i often try to think about what is the like what is the whole like what this piece that i'm working on right now like how does that contribute to the whole as opposed to just being another piece um Right. You know, am I just making a bunch of squares? Well, what does it mean to have a bunch of squares? Like, what does that look like? Why is that something different? Like, you know, arranged properly, a bunch of squares yes. can look like a circle. Like, you know, I mean, it's sort of, um, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's an interesting concept. I really, really enjoy um, thinking about it in terms of like consciousness and what it means for me like what mm. is what is my own gestalt is that a way for me to look at myself and like be self-reflective and think about like myself as a whole and like what you know what are the pieces that make me up and and why are they why am i different from that mm. or how am i different from that am i different from that how am i not myself right how am i not myself <laughs> how am i not myself um yeah i think that this is a really interesting concept. I haven't thought about it all that much before. Um, I mean, not in any organized way, in an right, organized, right. thoughtful way. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I I don't know if I've had a very organized thought train of thought around it. Um, now, why I do have... they call those tiny little drawing character guys gestalt figures? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? The little like forms that you draw from. Where are we? Because it's a form, right? No, like, you know, when you go to like the art store, like you go to, to our favorite art store and they have the little wooden men that you can, well, they're not really men or women. They're just like bodies, they're little bodies and you can like shape them and angle them and then you draw what you look at. Oh, the, um, like the little figures, the little wooden figures that, you draw fig- human forms from. Oh. And they're called like, like gestalt figures, aren't they? Yeah. So, well, Ikea calls them gestalta. Yeah. Um, which form. would make sense because that's form, right? Like we're getting closer to the sort of German root of the term of it as a form, like yeah. shape or form. Um, so that is exactly why they would call them that, I imagine. Um, Little people forms. Yeah, like the wooden wooden gestalt figure is a just a german use of that word in this sort mm-hmm. of design and art world right that's my that's my guess is why they call them that um hmm. and we're kind of pulling away from that and, and sort of touching on some of the psychology um 
again, caveat that I have strong feelings about psychology as a field, and I don't know that much about Gestalt psychology. Um, I think mm. there's good good ideas in there, but like everything, um, anytime they try to assert some sort of factual scientific basis, they're probably wrong. Um, like it looks like to me, they're not, because um, there's like all these like laws, right? Um, when you kind of get into it, there's like the law of proximity, the law of similarity, the law of closure, the law of symmetry. Like all of these things are are too too assertive without much real like mm-hmm. anal- like analytical support or not anal- like factual or sort of research like support to support it. Um, but I think they're interesting ideas to think about, and I think that's worth um, worth contemplating. I, I don't actually, I can't really speak to the Gestalt psychology side of things other than some of those quotes we were talking about where just the idea of Gestalt where we're talking about some, like the, like the sum is greater than, than this, or the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, right? Like that kind mm-hmm. of that kind of thinking is what we're trying to convey, not necessarily that Gestalt psychology is worthy of study and a place to uh, yeah. <laughs> right. anyway um no right. comment <laughs> no comment right exactly um mm. yeah so uh oh interesting there's a there's a wikipedia article um gestalt's also used in the context of science fiction um which i mentioned but there's other science fiction writers and there's the concept mm. of the group mind or group ego or mind coalescence yeah or, yes, or yes. gestalt intelligence as a plot device. Um, it's like the hive mind. Yeah, yeah. So uh, according to Wikipedia article uh, that I'm just now reading, it was depicted H.D. Uh, Wells' The First Men in the Moon um, in 1901 made use of a kind of hive mind. Um, I don't believe he used the word gestalt specifically, but I think in this concept... They're really just talking about, I don't know who's coined the term gestalt mind or group mind or gestalt intelligence. Um, they don't seem to reference mm. that here. Let's see. Um, but anyway, the concept of like hive minds, right? And there's tons and tons of right. literature around that. Um, I mean, just. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, the hive mind as plot devices. Um, I mean, let's see. I can just kind of go through the list here. So Larry Niven is a a science fiction author who's made use of it. Um, There's, let's see, Robert Heinlein's Starship Troopers. That's a movie that people know, but also was a book where Mm -hmm. the bugs are kind of a hive mind. Um, That could be considered a gestalt intelligence. Uh, Let's see some other names. Uh, Neil Stevenson's The Diamond Age. Um, There's a group called The Drummers. They were kind of a hive mind in that in that book. Um, Isaac Asimov in Foundation's Edge, he makes use of it. Uh, let's see. Um, I'm mostly naming men because that's what's on the list. Because science, you know, science fiction has been dominated by male authors for so long until very recently. Right. Um, and I'm not seeing any of the. I mean, I'm just going off a list. I am sure there mm-hmm. are. Um, women authors who have also made use of it potentially um, or discussed it in their own context, which would make sense. Um, Anyway, doesn't matter. My point just being that there are, there are many, many, um, many places where that's been, I mean, maybe not 
many, many, but um, if you saw the movie <laughs> The Edge of Tomorrow with um, what's his face, who I never remember his name, doesn't matter. Um, that makes use of kind of a, a hive mind, like the the omega, the thing that he's kind of fighting against the protagonist. That's that's mm-hmm. con- that could be considered a, a gestalt intelligence. Um, mm. Lots of video games. Anyway, um, yeah. So interesting. Uh, cool. Okay. It's a cool cool concept. Yeah, it is a cool concept. Um, do are we ready to maybe go to pivot towards the color of the day? Yeah. Okay. Tell uh, me all about it. All right. So the color of the day, uh, according to our research team, our crack research team, uh, is wistful. Oh. And I. Okay. So the RGB values for wistful, if you want to look it up for yourself, is uh, R, um, one sixty four, one six six, two one one. And uh, this this color is, um, well, this is the color of the day. I mean, this is going to fix all of your wrongs. It's Make a grandma color. It's a grandma color. That's a grandma um, color. Yeah, it's I, it's kind of a lavender, maybe. It's like the color that your grandma would have in their in their like master bathroom. I, I can imagine like bars of soap or little little shaped soaps that I'm not allowed to touch or use being this color. Yep. Like molded yes. soaps, like in seashells and little flowers and things being this sort of yes. like this sort of pastel pale, pastel like Purple-y. I feel like it's a more blue lavender than than like a red. Like it's not it's not smack in the middle of the purples. It it feels more blue to me somehow. Yes, I would agree. It it definitely is. This is like a cousin of periwinkle blue. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's like um, a little more powdery and a little more purple than mm-hmm. periwinkle blue. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Yep. It's it's also like adjacent to lilac, but less plum color. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a really nondescript color. I mean, like, if your grandma wears sweater sets, this just, definitely has a color. If she has like some this. wistful in there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's like gray, but with a little bit of sassy purple thrown in for right. the, like, <laughs> right. you know, yes. Sunday brunch. Yeah. Yep. Sunday brunch sweater. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, a little too upbeat for church. Yes, way too way too intense for church, but definitely like afterwards Sunday brunch. Uh-huh. Yes. Like this is the cardigan she changed into after church. <laughs> yeah. Or possibly had hiding under her um under her top coat that she wore to church, mm-hmm. not top coat. What do you call those um it's like a it's not like a petticoat, but like you wear like a fancy Yeah. Um um yes, I know what you mean. Like it's, it's sort like a- of a church jacket i don't know what you call yeah. it yeah yes yeah. church jacket yeah <laughs> get my church jacket and my jesus wig right <laughs> well um anyway uh yeah this is the um this is the deal so here we are um here we are <laughs> yeah uh good. 
thanks for listening and uh hopefully we'll get get into uh i know it's been a little bit rocky we've missed we haven't been putting out um some of our uh, thursday shorts shorties lately but that's all right um no promises there trying to stick to the mondays you count on those um, right we'll get back to the thursdays when when things settle we're, down. we're busy professionals and academics right exactly advancing our own careers at the moment right. um but anyway thanks everybody for listening and uh, thanks as always um we would love to hear from you so please feel free to email us um you can email dana directly our executive assistant d-a-n-a at fcbm.io and uh, she'll get you get you connected to either of us um i should say executive assistant slash co-host she's been hosting quite a few Um, that's right yeah, so it's been good. Okay, when we don't screw up the audio so bad that we can't use them. Yeah, we recorded one last week that just won't won't make it to air, but that's okay. You, you didn't miss anything. It was just three people rambling about life's ills. Um, yeah. All right. Okay. 